I just want to show you a few pictures to start it off tonight. So I want, I want you to see a few things, and then uh, I, hopefully you'll see where I'm going with it. Um, put my first, first. All right, so something so familiar. Everybody familiar with FedEx? If you're like me, my FedEx guy from Amazon Prime, whenever it says it's going to come, it's going to be three days late where UPS is always on time, not putting a plug in, but FedEx, okay? I want to show you something I'd never until this week had no idea. And some of you are probably a lot smarter than me, so you've already seen this. So show me the next slide. Did you ever notice that arrow there? I never noticed that arrow. And some of you are probably like, well, man, of course we did. Well, I'm sorry. I didn't notice the arrow. So I was just looking at it like, whoa, there's an arrow built into that. Okay? So how many years have I been seeing FedEx? Well, forever, it seems like. So look, look at my next one. You're going to kind of see where I'm going. Baskin-Robbins. All right, this, this week is a week where my mind, 31, do you see the pink 31 in Baskin-Robbins? For 31 flavors. I never saw it. I mean, I've been going in there since I was a kid in Farstell to Baskin-Robbins. They have 31 flavors, and it's right there in front of me, and I never saw it. All right, I'm going to do a couple more. Are you ready? Amazon. I mean, Bethany, I think, has told me multiple times throughout the last four years, if I see another Amazon Prime box, me and you are going to have a problem. And there were two today, and I was like, man, I couldn't beat her home. And so... <laughs> Okay, so I, I order Amazon all the time. I love it. I get my toothpaste from Amazon. I, I get everything I can from Amazon. But I never noticed the arrow is from A to Z. They've got everything covered from A to Z. Amazon. Why did I not notice that? So, all right, look at this one. This one right here blew my mind. Look at, I mean, this is like Saturday, me and that bag right there, and cheese dip are going to be best friends. I mean, I've seen, thank you, Drew. And I've seen that bag a bajillion times. Did you notice the T's are two guys holding a chip and there's salsa under it? No way. I mean, this is life-altering stuff. This is the, the deep spiritual things of God. So you see the two little T's are two little men holding the chip. You're going to dip it in the salsa. I was just like, mind blown. All right, next one, and we'll be done. Toblerone. Now, I didn't even know what that was. I'll just be honest with you. I started Googling after I saw FedEx. It's a Swiss chocolate. It's like a pyramid chocolate. And so you see the Swiss Alps, right? Okay, that's where I always thought. Go to the next one. There's a bear right there. That's their real logo. It's got a bear in it. That one's not that quite that impressive, but because most of us probably don't eat Toblerone around here when you have Hershey's and Butterfingers and Snickers. Swiss chocolate probably is not the best. Um, but is, did I give you any more? That's it, isn't it? Okay, you can put that down. You can bring the lights up. So tonight, what I want to take a second to do is, is I want to talk to us about if we don't slow down and are not careful to slow down, we will miss some very small things, right? So let's look at a couple of scriptures and we'll, we'll take Joshua 9, 3 through 6. It says, but when the inhabitants of Gibeon heard what Joshua had done to Jericho and Ai, they acted craftily and took old sacks on their donkeys and old wineskins and torn and mended them. And mended, sorry. Old and patched sandals on their feet and their garments on themselves and the bread of their provision was dry and crumbly. 
They went to Joshua at Gilgal settlement and said to him, as, uh, and the children of Israel, we have come from a distant land. Now make a pact or treaty with us. Now, I want to I pray right here. Keep that up, and we're going to skip down in the story. Father, we ask your blessing on your word. Your anointing, oh God, it makes the difference. Jesus, you're with us. Speak to our hearts, Lord. Accomplish what your word needs to accomplish in our lives. We love you. I thank you for your people. I pray your blessing, God, on your people. In Jesus' name, amen. So this group called the Gibeonites shows up to Joshua after he's beat Jericho. The walls have fallen. He had a little trouble with a city called Ai because there was sin in the camp. And he got sin corrected. And then they handedly beat Ai. And all of a sudden, the land is hearing about these Israelites that are coming out of bondage. And these Israelites are serious about destroying and taking what God promised. By the way, they're still inhabiting what God promised back then. Because God is faithful to perform his word. And so they say, hey, we're in trouble. If these guys come after us, we're next on the list. So they said, here's what we're going to do. We're going to go get old shoes, old clothes. We're going to let our fresh bread get moldy. We're going to take these wine skins and we're going to make sure they're all roughed up and look like it's traveled. And I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm paraphrasing. So they come to him and they say, hey, make a treaty with us. Make a pact with us. And, and your pact is more than just a pact. It's your word and your promise that now we are family. Now we are one. So skip, JT, to down, and I want to I show you something. Joshua 14 and 15. So the men examined. Everybody say examined. Examine. Some of the food provisions. And this is one of, this scripture jumped off the, the pages at me. But they did not ask the Lord about it. Look at verse 15. Joshua made peace with them and made a covenant with them to let them live. And the leaders of the congregation swore an oath to them. You can put that down. So I showed you all these images. And I showed you all these things that if we would slow down and take time, we would have seen. But because our life and we're so fast paced and because we're so going, the Lord, I'm telling you, when he began to deal with me about this, we are so sometimes in trouble and are in tr because we don't ask the Lord. We get in a lot of trouble because we just simply forget to ask the Lord. And by the way, these people, in case you're wondering who they are, they're the very ones that King Saul, the first king of Israel, didn't kill all of them like God commanded them to, and it cost him. So I learned something from that. Your decisions today will impact not just you, but your future generations. It will have an impact on everything that we do if we neglect to seek God and talk to God about every little thing. Now, I told you all a long time ago, about three years ago, I found out my calling. It is not to be anybody but this. I am to be what First and Second Peter was. I'm not Paul. I'm not going to teach you some deep things. It's to stir up your mind. I want to remind you of things that you already know, but we need to not forget to apply in our everyday life. So let's go to Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Everybody in here can quote it, but I want us to look at it. The first thing we have to do is trust in the Lord. And the reason I think we don't ask God for his will 
in every situation is because somewhere there's a lack of trust. We don't really believe that even if he says no now, that he has our best in mind and that he fully loves us and he fully cares for us. I love what Paul said, I'm crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, Let not I, yet not I but live, but Christ that lives through me. Amen. And he talks about who love me. I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and who gave himself away for me. Paul was fully convinced he loved him and he gave himself for him. And therefore, if you know that he loves you, you have no trouble asking him about every decision because you know he loves you. And Paul then writes and says, once again, a scripture we're familiar with, Romans 12. Present your bodies a living sacrifice, which means I lay down my will at the altar and I trust you, God, and you alone. He says, which is your reasonable service? He laid down his life so that we could ask him, we can walk. And I just, wanna, I just want us to get this. Now it says, lean not to your own understanding. Sometimes we let our experiences... Trump asking God. So the men of Israel walked up, and these are the mighty men of Israel. And they were, look at it, it's the older men of Israel that watched over them. They walked up, and it says they examined the Gibeonites. Oh, yeah, that's old clothes. Oh, yeah, that's old bread. I've seen old bread. You've seen old bread. That's old bread, right? How many times do we make decisions? Based on what we think we know. You know, I know I would have been right there with them. Yep, that's old bread. That's got to be traveling a long way. That looks like an old wineskin. Right? So many times we lean on what we understand. You know, we love to quote the scriptures. Your ways are higher. Than mine. Your thoughts are higher. Well, the problem is if we're not asking him for those thoughts and those ways, which way he should walk. That's what I loved about King David. If you read the Psalms, show me your way. Show me your way, and we're about to get to way that I can walk with you. Because I don't really care about my decision. I want to be with you. It doesn't really matter what everybody else thinks about this decision. I was reading in, uh, in Ezra where a group of people that worshipped God who were not Israelites and, and were sitting around, and they came to Zerubbabel who was building the temple for God and said, hey, we worship your God. We want to build with you. And Zerubbabel said, no way. No way. You will bring in your false gods. You'll say you help build this temple. You'll take the glory of God. No, you can't build with me. And it cost them something. It cost them trouble. Listen, to honor and walk with God sometimes, you're going to find yourself in lion's dens. You're going to find yourself in prison like Joseph. But in the end, God will always let the destiny work out. Amen. Now look at this. Verse 6. Everybody knows this. In all your ways. And everybody thinks right here, I'm about to say, all your ways. We've already covered all. Let's cover the word ways. So here's what Solomon was writing. When you begin to break this down in the Hebrew, he did not say, look at the last word, paths. When he uses the Hebrew word paths, it means highways. It means well, ways that are traveled all the time. But in the ways, the word right there means the sheep gate through the little sideway that nobody talks about or knows. So he's saying, in your big decisions, 
that, whoa, when you're changing jobs and when you're doing this, oh, we seek you, God. We seek you. He said, no, no, no. It's the small little path. It's that path that you go on where you don't think it's that big of a deal. You lean to your understanding and you say, well, this is what Christians do. This is what is normal. This is a logical decision. And he says, no, 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 no. In the small decisions, in that small way, in that way that nobody hardly goes down. Right? That's why David said, show me your ways. Show me, Lord, I don't want to go on that broad highway. I want to be on the small road with you where it's about me and you. And see, back to he loves us. He wants to bless us. He wants to show us the way of life. And I just want you to see these scriptures are so simple, but they're so deep. So many times in 17 years here, people come and sit in front of me at my desk. And they're dealing with a consequence. But the consequence was for a decision that was made way back that they never asked God about. Right? So I, I just want to, I told myself I was going to really try to stay to my notes. Put, put my quote up. Or not mine, I wish it was mine. W.A. Criswell. He's the, he was the pastor for years of Tampa First Baptist. Great man of God. Listen what he says. We go further on our knees than by any other way. There are a thousand mistakes we make that would never be made if we took time to pray. There are hasty decisions we follow after. Hot and intemperate remarks we make false goals. Listen, how many times would we have not have said something if we had been in prayer? How many goals are we seeking? I will never forget one day when I was in prayer, actually. I, I love when our whole worship team's here and everybody's singing. And I had these ideas where we were going to record it. We are going to put videos in here and all these lights. And, man, we were going to send CDs out to people. And as they were listening to us worship, there was going to be this freedom. That's all I talked about. And God asked me one day while I was praying in here, is that your goal or my goal? And he said, my mind. And it was my mind. <laughs> he knew who it was. It was my mind. <laughs> I love him. And all of a sudden, I started to realize something. I was chasing this idea of what evangel was supposed to be that was my dream, and it had nothing to do with the vision of the kingdom. I think a lot of times, people in church, they can't find the right place because their vision and goal of who they are and what their talents are and what their abilities are, if they would get where they belong through prayer, they would be completely satisfied and happy. Just be over the worship. I led worship here for four or five years. Every person in the church that cannot sing comes to you and tells you that they need to be on the praise team. And you're like, oh, no. We love you too much to put you on the stage. Not because we, we don't want to hear it, but because we don't want people to make fun of you. The, people don't ask God. They get these ideas. They, they get these plans, and they miss, like me. I was thinking about all this stuff we could do with the worship, and I was neglecting. We're right in the middle of the city, and all these people that are driving by every day, and they're questioning and saying, 
Is God even real? God, what are you doing? I don't understand. And instead of us sitting in church with the vision of God and prayer, saying our ambition is to reach the lost and to encourage the discouraged and to tell people, even if you question God, he's big enough for you to question him and he will always show in the end that he's faithful. Always. Man, we missed it. Keep reading. He follows it by saying in lost souls, that we never win. Because why? We haven't prayed. And then he speaks to all of us preachers and says, all of this, besides all that, the powerless preaching because we didn't pray. Anytime God gives me some kind of little visual like those signs, the first thing I say is, God, please. Those are all great and I'm glad you gave them to me. They stick in people's minds and you, you showed me something. But, Lord, this is not about people walking away saying, man, that was cool. Or, man, wasn't that great? No, no, no. This is about people getting the message is that God is interested in your every decision. Right? So what do we normally do? And I'm going to get to it in a second. What do we normally do when we pray? I talked about it Sunday night, kind of, because I didn't have my notes. We kind of winked We talked about when they pray and they want God to answer their prayer their way and they're not really praying. They're just really telling God how they want it done. Most of us, let's all just throw ourselves in here, like a story about a guy named Tom. And Tom was kind of like me. He had a love for the bakery. And the bakery was on the way to his work every day. And he stopped in there and he got him a cinnamon roll and a caramel macchiato, and he ate that cinnamon roll on the way to work every day. Tom realized, I have a problem. I must alter my route to work to solve my problem. So he alters his route to work. He does great. He doesn't go to the bakery. And all of a sudden, one morning after about four months of not going, there's road construction. He probably lived in Birmingham. And there's road construction. There's a detour. Well, guess where it takes Tom? Right in front of the bakery. So he says, okay, God, if this is really you and you really want me to go into this bakery, I want there to be a parking spot right in the front, and I'll know it's you. So lo and behold, he drove. The parking spot was open. And he said, God, I thank you. That in my eighth time circling the block, you gave me my prayer. That's how we pray. When you hear about praying, that's how we pray. God, I, you know, I, I, like, I want your will, God. But like, if, if this is your will, God, I, I need it to happen this way. We know how to manipulate the situation. That goes back to that trust. And a lot of times we pray things like Tom. I remember being single there till I was 28 years old. I remember and praying like, Lord, if she's wearing a blue shirt tonight, I'll know that this is your will. If just let her wear a blue shirt, Lord. And then if it's like green, I was like, that's close enough, Lord. I know you're answering me. Y'all laughing because we live like that. I, I'll give, Lord. But you're going to have to show me a sign. 
Put the money in my hand first, God, and then I'll give. Never work. It'll never work. Oh, see, y'all thought we were just going to laugh and giggle, and we weren't going to preach about where God wants us to change. He wants you to ask about your giving. He wants you to ask, listen, there is tithes and offerings, and then there's something else people don't preach about. All these prosperity preachers make me want to throw up because they pervert the real true benefit of giving. The Lord loves a cheerful giver. We don't need your money here. I promise we don't. You say, whoa, you don't? No, no, no. You need to give. I was here when we couldn't figure out where the power bill was coming from. And God would bring random people here and put a check in our pastor's hand and say, God laid it on my heart to give you 3000 This is his church. I'm not worried about the money. He's got the money. I'm worried about you being blessed in your decisions. And I said, tithes and offerings, right? Well, there's this other thing called alms. How do you see your brother in need, James said, and destitute and, te- and cold and not have food and say, be blessed and be warm and not do anything for the need? He said, how dwells the love of God in you? We become so selfish. I'll tell you what it is a lot of times, that trust in the Lord. We believe if we give our money away and honor God, we believe we're going to go without and he will have never seen the righteous forsaken or his seed begging bread. Honor the Lord with your first fruits and your barns will be filled. Amen. Y'all know we don't preach on tithing much, but listen, this is part of our decisions. We see people in need. Bless them. I love when I drive up to Jack's on Saturday morning and the lady, the lady comes and says, Sir, Cardinal First Baptist wants to tell you they love you. And the car in front of you paid for your meal. And I'm like, I love Cardinal First Baptist. <laughs> I'm going to worship the whole time I'm eating this biscuit and gravy. But you know what? A lot of times I do. I go ahead and pay for the person behind me. Right? It's, it's, God, you, we know. We make it something it ain't. We always make it something. Listen, I, I want to say this and... I'm just looking at where I want to go. This is my last scripture. Don't put Joshua 10 up yet. I want to say this last thing. When we start to honor God in our decisions, right? If we make the wrong one, what happens to us is what happened to Joshua. Everybody know the story about Joshua making the sun stand still? Do you all know that there's a group of scientists right now? You need to go check it out. Super cool. They're trying to figure out how to put this, helis- this telescope through the atmosphere. And they've got all these, you know, these formulas and they've got all these mega computers doing it. But they say, we can't just compute where they're going. We have to compute all the way back to where they came from so we can figure out where, so we can go through. So all of a sudden, all these mega computers, I promise this is so cool, go check it out. Start having errors. And they cannot figure out what is going on. They're like, what is going on? When we go backwards, the computer says there's a day missing. We can't figure out there's something missing. And one of the scientists that was saying this said, he said, hey, I grew up in a church. He wasn't even a Christian. He said, 
I heard this story about this dude named Joshua who made the day, the sun stand still for an entire day and it skipped a day. And they had to go in there and they had to reconfigure at that point. It's the craziest thing and it's way more scientific than I'm making it right now. It proved it that the sun stood still. Now we all love that. We missed the point. We missed the point. Why in the world was Joshua fighting that battle to make the sun stand still? We just read 9. He made a covenant with the Gibeonites. So let's look at verse 10. Soon as the decision was over, chapter 10, I mean, look at 6 and 7. The men of Gibeon sent this message to Joshua at Gilgal settlement. Do not abandon your slaves. Come up to us quickly. Save us. Help us. For all the Amorite kings living in the hill country have gathered together against us. So Joshua went up from Gilgal. He and all the people of war with him and all the mighty men of valor. His bad decision brought him a lot of battles that weren't his. The Gibeonites that he, soon as he made the covenant with them, get this, soon as he made the decision with them, their war became his war. Now, you could preach this four billion different ways. But let me tell you, whether you're deciding who's going to be your friend, well, my own understanding says they go to church there. It looks like a good person. You can't yoke up with everybody just because they come to church. If you read the ministry of Jesus, the first thing he did in the temple, he started reading Isaiah 61, and two guys that were in the church looking religious, demons manifested, and he cast them out. The church folks. When we marry people, when you marry them, you get their battle. You better be careful. When we love each other, love will wear off. (laughs) Give it a second. It won't take long. Power bills and water bills and gas bills and mortgage bills, they start hitting. You're going to find out what love is. It has nothing to do with feeling goosebumps. I thank God for the goosebumps with me and Bethany. But, man, that ain't the the real life. (laughs) A friend up north says, that ain't real talk. We make decisions because we get hasty. I've, I've seen people make decisions for jobs that when they told me the reason, it looks good. Like, you're like, wow, more money, better benefits, and the next thing you know, they're out of church. They're not serving God. Be careful. Be careful to honor him. God, I I don't know, just because this looks good. I have this prayer, I pray, and it might not work for you, but it works for me. I say, God, if this is you, open the door and keep it open. If it's you, slam it. That's honoring him. I'm going to, I seek you in this. Sometimes decisions are fast. Lord, if this is you, I need you. Me and Adam, he's by my house. Every time a roadblock hits, we've been praying, God, this is your will. And it seems like it's an obstacle. It just becomes nothing. Every time, I'm like, thank you, Lord. We got to be careful. When you leave here tonight, I told you, this is not anything. Almost it's not rocket science, but it kind of was for a second. This is your daily life. I've seen people get friends in church 
and they at one time loved the Lord. But their, their friend they yoked up to had bitterness and, all, and they got all their baggage. They got war. Joshua honored his covenant. And, and this is how I want to change this. I want to flip to it. He honors the covenant. And he begins to fight. And God says, don't worry about it. I'm going to take care of it. And in the middle of his bad decision, God made the sun stand still. Now what I take from that is, is the redemptive power of Jesus Christ. If you're in a bad decision right now, it's not too late to do what Joshua did and lift up your eyes to the hills from which comes your help and to call on the Lord who loves you and say, God, I've got myself in this. Listen, I'm telling you, I dated the wrong girls. I remember one time at the altar, somebody, I was bent down at that altar and somebody grabbed my feet. And I said, who in the world has got a hold of my feet? We ain't one of them crazy churches. <laughs> Why are you holding my feet? It was my mom. And my feet were covered with tears. And she said, God, do not let his feet alter. Don't let him make the wrong decision. Keep him on the path. Where would I be? When God began to deal with me about this, the first thing I said was, God, this is heavy. And I've, I've been praying. People are in here tonight who needed to hear this. This is not my words. I didn't come up with any of this. God wants you to slow down and see the FedEx arrow. He wants you to take a second with him. I wrote something down that he shared with me. I just forgot it. I hope I wrote it down. I didn't. I put prayerless decisions lead to more battles. I think we covered that. But I also said, in his presence is clarity. I was praying. When you stop, it might need to be a, a, a fast decision. But if you'll just stop for a second and look at the FedEx arrow. Don't, don't look at all the orange and the bright and shiny. That's your own understanding. Right? Listen, listen it's been shared and shared and shared. And y'all know Jason Meadows who's preached here a couple times. Me and him were sitting at the table yesterday at lunch. And I said, Jason, did you hear about the pastor in California? He killed himself in his church. growing church I started digging up the church I started listening to his last sermon he had just come off a sabbatical for the whole summer he said something's wrong with me his first Sunday back you can hear it when he's preaching that there's something off and if you just listened you think oh, that's a pretty good sermon and he took his life and you say man that's terrible but see what I, me and Jason were talking about is what were the decisions that led to that? Sometimes we are not God to God's church. Sometimes we have to learn everybody how to say no. Sometimes the, the small little path is, okay, I always hang out with people every weekend. I need a weekend not with my spouse or not with anybody else. And listen, you should take your spouse on dates. You should have a date night and you should keep it. 
just like you did when you courted her. Don't even get me started on that. But none of that. I need a night with Jesus. I need this week stressful. He says, come unto me, all you are heavy laden. I'll give you rest. Take my yoke. That does not happen in just a split second. You've got to be with him. He's got to explain to you the future and what he's doing and where he's taking you. And you say, man, the process is terrible right now. But if you get with him, you see that in the process and in the pain comes a greater anointing and a greater closeness to him. And the fellowship of his suffering is way better than just having a good life. So what did that pastor, what decisions? I know what he did. Everybody's great uncle's mother's cousin was in the hospital getting a toenail removed. And if he wasn't there, they weren't going to speak to him for four months. What I want to say is, why don't she go to church and she can have her own pastor? Let him come see her. Well, you should go see what you do to the least of these you do to me. That is so true, and I believe that with all my heart. But I'll tell you something, if we make the wrong decisions about our free time, it will cost us. You, ref- you can't pour out anymore. You-, you can't. You say, well, that's just for preachers. I thought we were all ministers of the gospel. You know why you're not pouring out at work like you used to? For the love of God? Because some of the decisions you're making, they're tying up that free time that was made for the Lord. Lord, I don't really know how to pray about this situation. Most of us want him to show up in the car and say, here's how you do it right here. This is how you're going to navigate it. doesn't work. you got to be with him. The secret of the Lord is with those that reverence and fear him. That means they just want to be close to him. They have an honor for his presence. Remember how I said it wasn't all the big things? Well, I don't drink and I don't smoke and I don't do this and I don't do that. All that list... Get rid of all that. Get with him. I'm talking about the little decisions. The one where sometimes in my life, God spoke to me and told me, you hang out with church people right now too much. I can't talk to you. Every free moment, you got something going on. I need you. I I was with Pastor Demetrius and Chris and Jennifer Saturday night, and they were leading worship. And as my hands were raised, God spoke to me and said, I'm about to call you closer to me. Get ready. It was, it was so good. I needed to hear it. He said, I'm calling you closer. I'm about, to, I'm about to start asking you for more time than you're giving me right now to get my mind. And I felt like that one just for me. I feel like it's for the body. We make so many decisions. How many times, and I'll close with this. How many times have we looked up at God and said, Why? We never stay there long enough for him to answer. Now, there's sometimes you walk through some stuff. Me and Bethany have walked through some stuff lately. I love it. We're, re- we're doing something we've never done before, reading this book together. I've showed her how to use a Kindle. I was like, welcome to 2018, babe. <laughs> and we're reading this book together. What do you do when life, the pastor's wife got cancer? I mean, daughter got cancer. Craig Rochelle, pastor of the largest church in America. He just wrote a book about what do you do when God doesn't seem good? What do you do with that? 
The conclusion I've come to is this. If you spend time and know him, his character trumps everything else. He's always good. He's always good. Why does all this bad things happen and people die and tsunamis? I'll tell you why. Because we messed up when he gave us the ball. And it's called sin. And the devil came to steal, kill, destroy. But he came to give life. We got to be with him. We got to ask him what to do. Does this make sense tonight? I don't want to lose you. I, I want the band to come up and I want everybody to stand up. And we're going to close. Back to what I was saying. How many people ask God why? You ever ask God why and in the back of your head you already knew why? (laughs) Now I'm not talking about when weird things start hitting you. David and Moses and a lot of them had great conversations with God that were just real. Sometimes I love reading Moses, who we always say was so awesome. He looks at God one time and says, I'm not these people's father. I'm not. I don't know. If you, if, you, if you give me them, kill me. He tells God, kill me now. I love it. He's being so real with God. I was raised not by my parents or my granddad, but around people that I got around when I was a young Christian that told you you couldn't question God. If you questioned God, it wasn't faith. That's hogwash. Real talk with God, Job started answering him, I mean questioning him and saying, what's going on? And God shows up and answers. He said, I've heard about you from the hearing of the ear, but now my eyes have seen you. And then God had a few questions for Job. Where were you when I spoke and the earth existed and the heavens rejoiced? Where were you, Job? Where were you when the mountain lions give birth? I created all the science. Where were you? You know what he was saying? You got to trust my character. All things are working together for your good. Consider the end of Job. That God is gracious. If you have made a bad decision, I don't know who you are. I know when he gave me this message, it was strong. He will stop the sun for you. If you'll call to him, the devil will tell you, oh, you've made all these bad decisions. That's hogwash too. Jesus Christ came to destroy the works of the devil. You look up to your God and call on your father, he'll stop the sun for you. I love what it says about that situation. God has never answered a man before or since like he answered Joshua. Read it. In the middle of his biggest mistake, God did something for him he's never done for anybody. That's our God. Now, if you're in here tonight and you're about to make a decision, you better slow down. those little small ways that you've overran.